Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. I'm Erin. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com where you can sign up for our monthly e-news. For behind-the-scenes videos and two-minute clips of our interviews, head to our YouTube channel and subscribe. You can find us every other Thursday morning at 9.30 a.m. at bff.fm. And if you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the love of God, do it. It really helps. Hey, Bitch Talkers. We have a special guest in the house. Her name's Brittany Luce. She's from the podcast Four Colored Nerds, and we're really happy to have her on this show. Welcome to Bitch Talk. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Uh, could you tell our audience what Four Colored Nerds is? Uh, Four Colored Nerds is a podcast crudely at the, when we first started the show, um, back in 2014. So like eight years ago, um, we used to call it the conversations that black people have and white people aren't in the room. I think that's still a pretty accurate <laughs> description of what the show is. It's uh, a podcast co-hosted by me and my best friend from college, Eric Eddings. Um, and we just talk about race, news, pop culture. Sometimes we do interviews, sometimes we play games with each other. Um, but it's just us having unfiltered conversation with each other as unfriendly black hotties. So <laughs> time. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Brittany, we, we like to call ourselves the golden girls of podcasting because Aaron started <laughs> bitch talk in 2012. So it's so nice to talk to someone who, you know, now everybody has a podcast, but you started way back in 2014. Look, so- you 2012. Woo. I know what, what a podcast. Yeah. What? what is a podcast? Did you record it on a cassette? Cause like, that's I how old I feel. Yes. Eight tracks. Yeah. Yes. Pause. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, yes. But, but it was started for a lot of the same reasons you started yours. It's like, where's our voice, you know, where we need, we need to be heard as well. But I'm, I'm curious to know, given the accessibility of podcasting, you know, all you needed is a mic and a recorder. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you compare the trajectory of, of POCs and women in pot in the podcasting world versus, you know, let's say Hollywood, which has been long and exhaustive to say the least. Well, I mean, the thing that's, that is really cool about podcasting is the accessibility, um, to your point. Like, it's not just that anybody can, you know, with some consistency and some flair and a microphone create a podcast, but also like they can be released. You know what I mean? Like, technically you can make a film, but it doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to be seen in theaters. You know what I mean? (laughs) You can write some music. It doesn't mean that it's going to be posted to like a major streaming platform. Um, but even if it is posted at major streaming platform, it's not necessarily, uh, those aren't really built for people to find you. You know what I mean? Whereas with podcasts more so than any other, I think like sort of like popular medium right now, um, you can record something and put it out there. You can find an audience. People can find you like whatever, like, you know, if you have an iPhone, you have Apple podcasts, you can find a lot of people's podcasts. If you have Spotify, you can find a lot of people's podcasts. Um, it's not just the fact that like creating, there's like a low bar as far as like red tape that might keep you from making a polished product. There's also just like not really too much in the way of you releasing that product and being able to find an audience. Um, I, I really enjoy the DIY aspect of podcasting in that regard. And it's something that, I mean, quite literally changed my life. Um, of course, I mean, there are barriers in podcasting, just like with 
literally anything else that involves <laughs> marginalized people. Um, you know, of course, like it can sometimes be easier depending on, you know, what somebody who, if, if you're a white person, if you're specifically like a cis white man and you're talking about cis straight white man stuff and, you know, and you make a podcast, there's always going to be an audience for something like that. <laughs> but that's, that's true of like cis hat white man stuff anywhere. But I mean, taking that out of it, it's just, it's a pretty direct line from having an idea, having something to say, recording it, and then getting it to listeners. Also, many podcasting platforms don't require that people pay money. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to necessarily have a subscription, a paid subscription to an app um, in order to enjoy podcasts, which I also think makes a really big difference in people being able to access what you're making. Um, I mean, I've discovered a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of different stuff, but I've discovered a lot of podcasts just looking for a conversation about something that I'm interested in. And then like, I don't really care if, you know, 6 million people are listening to it or like 16 people are listening to it. If it's interesting to me, then I'm going to show back up. I'm going to subscribe and I'm going to listen to the episodes. I love all of that. Thank you. Uh, um, <laughs> can we talk about your co-host, Eric? Mm -hmm. How did y'all meet? You mentioned college. And then mm -hmm. how did how did you both know that you were both each other's the one for podcasting? Wow. Okay. Well, I'll say this. Like uh, when, when Eric was the person who wanted to start a podcast and I was like, literally, I already listened to the read. What, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. what more do we need? Like, I don't understand what are we going to add to the conversation? <laughs> I'm like, it's a very funny show. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I mean, there's no real, I guess back then there was no real way to know, like, would I start a podcast with this person? I didn't even know really, neither one of us, I mean, like even Eric was like, let's start a podcast. Neither one of us knew what that meant. <laughs> so I think what made it the right move for us as friends was that whenever we would get together, well, let me back up some, Eric hates talking on the phone hates talking on the phone, hates it, cannot keep <laughs> up a phone. Like he does not like, don't play phone tech with him. He will not tap back. Like he just doesn't like talking on the phone. He's always been like that. And so, um, whenever we would like hang out because I'm, I love talking on the phone, not as much now. I'm not gonna lie. Since I've been like talking professionally, I don't talk as much on the phone because I'm like, I've run my mouth all day. I just want a few minutes of peace. <laughs> but my homeostasis is I love to talk on the phone. So it, with that mismatch, anytime we would get together, we were talking for six, seven hours straight. Just like anytime we would hang out, it would be like a complete catch up on everything that happened since last time we'd seen each other. And then additionally, which finally think about it, it's so funny that we would have these catch ups because additionally we would sit on G chat Remember G chat? Oh, all still day have long. She still uses yes. it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> you know. It's like, just called wanna... chat. It's just called chat now. Yeah. Can you get on now. chat? And I was like, I guess. And you're okay. like, Ooh. <laughs> okay, whatever you want. Yeah. Is that your horse? <laughs> um, yeah, so we would, uh, we'd be on G chat all day long, um, sending each other articles and just like, you know, talking shit about our coworkers and stuff like that. And um, yeah, so we were just always in conversation. And so I think because we always had something to talk to each other about and um, we enjoyed like, I guess the continued like intellectual stimulation of just like reading things and talking mm -hmm. about them and like, you know, going down rabbit holes with different articles, movies and albums. Um, yeah, it just seemed like a really good 
extent, a podcast seemed like a really good extension of the conversations that we were already having with each other um, in real life and online. And yeah, I mean, that made it seem like a natural fit. I'm not gonna lie. Like I said, when he first was like, we should start a podcast. I was like, nobody needs to do that from us. <laughs> but barring that us starting a, like starting a podcast, it made natural sense for us to do that together. But the first question you asked was, was how we met. We met at a party, a party at Howard University where we both went to school. We did not go to school there at the same time as Kamala Harris. Um, <laughs> but sometime after that. And um, we, yeah, we met when I was a freshman and Eric was a sophomore. We had a bunch of friends in common. Funnily enough, we are pretty much still friends with all those people now, which is very sweet when I think back on it. Um, mm-hmm. A few weeks into my freshman year, um, we had like these friends like that would throw, I guess we kind of would throw these parties called Trash Thursdays. Why they weren't called Thirsty Thursdays? I asked at the time, nobody saw the potential in a Thursday Thursday. <laughs> Those Trash Thursdays, we would just like have like small get togethers on campus, um, either in someone's like, <laughs> like <laughs> someone's campus apartment or um, in like different classrooms that were closed for the evening, just like any, cause oh. like technically Howard was like a dry campus. So like any place where we could like congregate together um, and drink together, we would, we would try to do that. Cause also, I don't know if I, if, if I ever really get to say this, but at Howard, um, a lot of the dorms are not co-ed. And even if they are, um, pretty much all of the dorms have a very strict sort of like sign-in policy where you can only have mm. so many visitors at a time. It's very patriarchal and kind of throwback if you think about it. I think they still do that now. But yeah, at the time it was really hard. You couldn't just like have friends over to your dorm. You mm. have to like, you could only sign in one or two people at a time. They had to be gone by midnight. Um, and sometimes they would take your visitation away. So you couldn't have any visitors, especially not visitors of the quote unquote opposite sex. Um, so getting like congregating together to drink and like hang out <laughs> in a co-ed environment was tricky. Um, but yeah, that's how we met. He claims that I was being really loud. Um, it's funny. It's like, <laughs> he's also very loud. So I don't, it's like, he says that and I'm like, what's the truth? What's the truth? But yeah, no, we, um, he said I was loud. I remember him planning our friend Jason's birthday party, 21st birthday party. And I was like asking like when it was and like what the deal was with it. And Eric pulled out a palm trio, if you can recall, one of those little. Digital- yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. He pulled out a palm trio. Yes. And he wrote Did it down, have the like, thing? It had the stylist. The stylist? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was like, what? I was like, who the hell is this guy? Um, so yeah, he was like, why is she so loud? I was like, why does he have? Yes. Like, why, like, why do you work at J crew and you're like an undergraduate and you have organized, what are you organizing? Um, but yeah, we just, we stayed friends pretty much after that. And, um, yeah, the rest of history What's wild is I'm 34 and that was 17 years ago, half my lifetime ago. Isn't that wild? Mm. If only you had those early conversations to throw up on the pod. I bet you there was some- <laughs> glad we don't. <laughs> <laughs> good segue. Good segue. No, but we are really honored to have you on the show because you have had quite the experience in the podcast scene. You had a very public battle with Spotify and Gimlet Media, and you were really able to come back on the other side of it, bigger and better than ever, some might argue. So I want to know what kind of advice you would have for how to partner, you know, with, with a larger company, but still maintain ownership of your product. Um, okay. I'd say the first thing, um, that, 
the first, okay. So like, like I would say step one, a is that understand that if a large organization is engaging in serious conversation with you about partnering, you are making something very, very valuable. Um, a lot of times when you are even just having, you know, like sort of introductory conversations with large companies, they almost seek to make you feel as if they are doing you a huge favor. And in some ways that can be true. Like, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that like working at, you know, Gimlet did nothing for my career and everybody there sucked. (laughs) I didn't make a bunch of lifelong friends um, and have some really enjoyable times Um, because that is true. But additionally, I, 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 something that I understand even more clearly looking back is that I provided immense value to them. Um, Mm. but it was in their best interest to not make me feel that way. Um, which is also kind of like business one-on-one, but it's, it's very, it's one thing when you're like applying to a job, trying to fill a role. Do you know what I mean? I used to work in corporate America, I guess when you put it that way, I worked on doing a lot of things, but (laughs) when I was working in corporate America, you're applying, trying to fit a role. You're trying to sell the idea of you fitting into this prescribed role. When you are working with somebody on possibly platforming your show, your podcast, your, you know, your script, whatever it is, whatever your IP is, that is like your thing that you've created. It's different because you're not just talking about you filling a role that somebody's prescribed. You're talking about your own ideas, who you are, like your unique viewpoint. It's a much more emotional conversation, I think, sometimes than we want to give it credit for. Um, And as that's the case, it's very, very, very important to consistently keep top of mind that if you are having, if you are at this point in a conversation with an organization, a large organization, you have something that they see as highly valuable. And no matter what they say, and no matter what they do, never forget that and keep that at the front of your mind. So first thing, then I would say one B is (laughs) have professionals work with professionals and don't be afraid to get out there and ask for recommendations. Um, I think that like, I don't know now it's like, I, I like, I, I wish I could have listened to my, the advice I'm about to give when I was younger. Um, like entertainment lawyers are a thing. Mm. Entertainment lawyers are a thing. Um, it is in your best interest is actually completely vital that you do the work of looking for recommendations, um, reaching out to people, having introductory phone calls, following up, um, just finding people that know what they're doing. It's really, really important that you at the very least have a lawyer, even if you don't have an agent, because a lot of times agents are associated with like finding you the work and many times also negotiating your contract. Um, if you if your work was able to get into the hands of a large organization without an agent that I wouldn't say like necessarily run out and go get one. Um, sometimes, especially like when you're, I don't know. I mean, I can't make assumptions about other people, but like, man, when I was about like, before I started working at Gimlet, I was making not a whole lot of money, <laughs> not a whole lot of money. Um, and as that was the case, like I felt I think that whatever I would get would be more, you know what I'm saying? Than what I was making at that time. I was like, all right, well, whatever, like this is already twice as much as what I'm making now. 
wow, it's making not very much money. So I was like, <laughs> right, not at all. Um, so I'm like, all right, like, you know, they're offering twice as much as what I'm making now. Um, and you know, I had somebody I know who's a lawyer look over my, con- not an entertainment lawyer, but somebody I know who's a lawyer look over my contract, I guess, you know, this is cool. That was not enough. It's never enough. I mean, the other thing too, is like, like lawyers and all sorts of professionals, like they, they know what to look for. Um, so they can see things in your contract that you're not going to see. They can, um, and, and they can like, uh, ask specific questions. They've seen other people's contracts. So they have an idea of what the going rate is very frequently, but also like Mm. they can be the asshole for you. You want to have like that lawyer or that agent or both, honestly, um, be the asshole for you. So that every time you're talking to the organization, it's a pleasant conversation. And then (laughs) the lawyer and the agents, they fight for you. Um, so that you can, whenever things do get settled, you can start the partnership off on a, on a nice foot, as opposed to like with the ugliness that can sometimes come with negotiating. Um, so yeah, definitely having professionals. Um, and then also just really not necessarily taking the first offer that's out there. Um, I would say, I mean, like I was really lucky in that, like, I wouldn't say that like Kimmet was necessarily the only, there were other organizations I knew that were really interested um, and having me like work with them or work for them. And so I was like into that, but, um, I mean, to give them some credit, like it was a very unique learning opportunity, um, with some really, really sharp people who I had built up a, like, you know, a professional like relationship and mentorship with over the past, like, I don't know, six months before I started working there. So it was, um, like ultimately, like I said, I made a lot of close friends. I um, am really proud of the work that I did. I don't think that things had to turn out the way that they did. There's a whole host of other reasons why things turned out the way that they did. Um, but I am, I mean, you know, I, I can't say that like, oh, I wish I would have done X, Y, Z differently because like literally who knows, but mm-hmm. having professionals, <laughs> having professionals uh, was, is probably like the most important thing. The other thing I'll say on that note is that like that stuff can get expensive or feel expensive. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I make more money now than I used to. And it still feels expensive. (laughs) It never doesn't feel painful because, um, yeah, you're paying for somebody, you're paying for time, you're paying for expertise. And sometimes you're paying with a percentage of your income. Mm -hmm. Uh, but when all is said and done, ideally, um, when you're working with, uh, an agent lawyer, whatever, someone negotiating on your behalf, they can make things happen that you could never make happen on your own. Oh, another reason for that is um, sometimes the, sometimes um, at least what's happened for me and also other people who I've talked to or helped find lawyers or whatever, um, because lawyers and agents um, represent so many other people, sometimes, especially if you're working with a large organization, um, then your lawyer or your agent has another client who also negotiates and works with that organization. So Uh, you're like, whatever company you're trying to work with, they cannot pull the same shit with your lawyer or your agent because they're like, oh shit, they've already seen like six or other contracts. (laughs) Like we can't lie. Whereas like they can go to you and assume that you don't know because like, really, why would you? Um, I mean, some of it too is also just like bluster. It's terrible. Like, I mean, to me in a perfect world, 
like actually in a, like a reasonable world, which we do absolutely do not live in. In a reasonable world, I think that contracts. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. In a reasonable world, I don't think the contracts should be shady, and I also think they should be written in plain enough yes. language that you shouldn't need to pay a professional to at least do a cursory glance over. I don't want to discount lawyers and agents. I don't want to say they shouldn't exist because that's not my place, and that hasn't been necessarily my experience. But it is frustrating sometimes like I've, I've received contracts that are one page and make perfect sense and I've sent it to my lawyer and he was like yeah this this is pretty straightforward this is actually pretty good like I've had that happen twice um where I just sent it to him to be like hey can you just look at this and he was like yeah this is cool that's a good feeling because it's like I understand what's in here he understands what's in here we all agree that it's fair what bothers me is when you start pulling out those like eight page contracts with like mm-hmm. <laughs> graphs and spreadsheets on them. It's just like, who is this for? What is this? Small, this small like print, small print, just like big it words. Like take your money. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I would say just like, know that what you're doing, like know that what you're making has value, hire professionals and um, shop around to make sure that you're getting a fair rate. Um, but also like, don't be afraid to spend that money because the money that you spend upfront could save you a lot or potentially make you a lot more, um, down the line. Um, I love it. It's the masterclass in how to become a professional. <laughs> right. <laughs> I forgot we were doing an interview. Professional <laughs> this, professional that. Sorry. I was going to say too, I, I'm, I'm sure part of that conversation and maybe something you've learned if you want to share asking for more oh yeah I man I love to ask for more (laughs) I I mean of course I have like certain jobs that are let's say like certain organizations will have like known pay bands or they're sort of like we have negotiated using a union this is what Mm. this is the standard rate that anybody who does this job does I always am going to respect a, a union negotiated standard right now. That's not, that's not something I'm going to push back on because a group of people work very hard to get it to that point. Um, but, and also too, like if I'm working for, if I'm like working with an organization that is like paying, like that I know that like it's a lot for them to give a small honorarium um, or if they're doing like, a, if it's connected to a cause or something like that, that I really care about, then it's a totally different thing. There's like, sometimes I'll like, you know, like listen to people's work or give notes or things like that, or work with people like for free, you know what I'm saying? Just like on a, like, sort of like, cause I like you, or I think this is important or I think this should exist because you sent me a nice email and you seem like a cool person. Um, like I will do those things for people who are typically newer to the industry or mm. a lot younger than I am, like absolutely no problem. Um, but like, uh, there's this saying that sometimes people say when they are creative freelancers, like, you know, two for them, one for me, or one for them, one for me, which is like one to pay my bills and make sure that I keep my money coming in. Like, so I'll take something that like, you know, I know pays money, like a lot more money or um, has like, maybe is a little bit um, more involved for like three or four months. I'll be like working a lot really hard on something. And that's my sort of like one for them. Not to say that I don't enjoy those things or I'm not proud of them, but more so it's like, this is something I know is going to directly contribute to paying my bills. Mm. And then there are other things where, you know, it might be where I work on something for 10 to 30 hours over the course of like two or three months and maybe it's editing or something like that. And I really enjoy it, but like that one job is not going to cover two to three months worth of my expenses. It's something that I'm doing because I enjoy it. Um, and I can sort of like stretch it out. So 
I say all that to say, um, I love to ask for more. I love to negotiate. I also love to talk to other people and find out what people are making and mm. what the going rate is. I mm. love doing my research. And also sometimes too, and I also, I mean, as much as I love doing my research, I also love sharing. Um, so like, I will like definitely share with like people who will like email me. Um, and even if I don't know the answer, if they're asking about a job that I don't even do, like, let's say they're trying to figure out a producer rate. I'll, I'll go and ask people that I know and find out and get back to them um, as soon as I can. Just because like, you know, when I was starting working in podcasting professionally, that was seven years ago. And that doesn't sound that long. It doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but I didn't have anybody really to talk to. You know what I'm saying? Like there were some white guys that I knew that were doing it, but they weren't going right. to be real about what they were making and what they were doing. They're going to bullshit you. Um, so like, you know, there's a lot of real people out there that will, you know, share their contract with a certain company so that you can see what it looked like and you can see how it was structured. Like I am happy to work with other people on that sort of basis to sort of figure out like what's going on. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem asking for more. Additionally, like sometimes I will just determine in advance before I even talk to somebody about rate or before I, you know, um, I bring it up to them. I will determine what is the amount of money that I believe that I deserve or that I would like to be paid rather for um, a specific job. So now that I've been doing, you know, like hosting and making podcasts and editing and stuff like that long enough, um, and I know what's out there in the field. And I also know like how quickly and succinctly and um, accurately I can get things done. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I can ask for more money I mean, just because I'll, I want to ask for more money, but also like, sometimes I ask for more money, just I'll tell them like, I don't know anybody who could do this faster than I can. Hmm. You're not going to find somebody who's going to be able to do this quicker and more accurately than I can do it. And I can tell you that confidently, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I love to ask for more money, but also like, I know that I'm worth it. I know that I can bring the value that they're looking for. Um, and I know what my time is worth because mm. I've spent a lot of time figuring out you know, not, I don't, I wouldn't say that I have static rates. Cause of course it depends. Like if you're talking to like Coca-Cola <laughs> and you're talking to like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're talking to a small abortion fund. Those are two different mm. prices and those are two different goals. Like each organization has a different goal. Um, and so I wouldn't say that I have like a static rate, but yeah, there are certain like, you know, be aware of who you're negotiating with and like realistically what their budgets probably are. I would say like the larger the company, just go ham. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, of course, like within reason, right? You do your research and you find out what's out there because um, you don't want to come to somebody and be like, I need $100,000 per episode. And they're like, girl, <laughs> <laughs> you're not even living in reality. We can't offer you this job. Um, but yeah, I think that asking for more um, is always a good idea to do, but like, um, how do I put it? Like I wasn't, I wouldn't say that I was more conservative, but I always try to be reasonable and sensible when asking for more, not necessarily reasonable and sensible in the fact of like, just thinking a certain number is enough and sticking there, but like doing the research, figuring out exactly what they want. And then, you know, factoring my experience and expertise into that, like realistically, like if, you, if I know that you can't find somebody who can do this exactly the way that I would do it, then I'm going to be needling you a little bit more. <laughs> mm -hmm. for money. But yeah, I mean, now I'm fortunate because I mean, 
after a certain dollar amount, those are conversations I will take to my agent. I don't take everything to my agent because um, that's just how she and I work together. Um, she represents um, a lot of people also who are way more famous, who are like actually famous. <laughs> and so it's like, do I need, I, I don't want to like, I don't want to bother her with like every little sort of like, you know what I'm saying? Like every sort of like three week job, like be like, Hey, can you, no, it's not always worth it at that point for me to, to, for me to bring her in. I try to be respectful of her time as she's very respectful of mine. Um, but yeah, I, I just feel like, you know, being sensible, like being researched, being sensible, but also really understanding what you bring to the table. Um, because yeah, something that has happened since I've been freelancing that that was not a part of my repertoire like three or four years ago was me being able to be like yeah I've done this enough times that I can tell you I can get I can do I what you're asking me to do I can do it absolutely no problem and you're not going to find somebody who's going to be able to do it better than I can do it mm. that's not me being cocky it's just me being like I see what you're asking for I know you're talking to me you don't need to keep looking so like let's just talk about money and you know I'm saving you time time is money so give me more money <laughs> Ooh, Brittany, you're pumping me up, feeling good. I'm like, I am worth it. God damn it. <laughs> it's like, it's so true. Thank you. But on, on the topic of asking for more, I want to turn back to your podcast for Colored Nerds. Can you tell our audience what kind of guests you have on, what they can look forward to and how you choose which guests you want mm. to have on? Oh my gosh. So guests are a combination of like, what's interesting, like who's interesting to us, what our like current pop culture obsessions are. Um, like also sometimes, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. It's just people who we think are interesting and who we want to meet and want to have a conversation with. There's tons of people that either we haven't been able to book or it just like, it hasn't like, we end up booking so many people that like, we're like, oh man, if we're gonna like, we're actually filled up with our slots. Like, (laughs) I don't think we could approach these people for some time. Um, yeah, but literally all of it is just us following our interests. Sometimes people will pitch us, um, and reach out and just sort of say, Hey, there's this TV show or, Hey, there's this movie coming out, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes like, well, there's one episode. We didn't have a guest on. We talked about this show that came on HBO max last year called love life. So Mm. good season two chef's kiss. So good. Mm. Um, I saw like the first three episodes or two episodes of that show. I badgered Eric to watch it. He watches, I, I was like obsessed. So then I badgered him to watch it. He watches it. And then we just like harassed the HBO <laughs> PR team to be like, send us episodes. We're going to talk about this. Um, so sometimes it's worked oh, out like that where there's, I'm a looking it up undercovered. Yeah. Oh, it's really good. Yeah. Sometimes there's things that we'll discover have been undercovered and like, and then we're like, oh, okay, well let's just like spam these people until they, <laughs> until they send us something. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk to all types of people, authors, activists, um, actually we have a conversation coming up in the next couple months with somebody, um, who I've followed for a really long time. Um, but she recently released a book that is right next to me called surviving how we stay and how we leave abusive relationships. Um, her mm-hmm. name is Beverly Gooden. Um, and she is a writer and, uh, like intimate partner, violence survivor and advocate. And, you know, like we'll have, you know, that episode. And then like maybe two weeks before that actually coming up pretty soon, we have an episode coming out about, um, oh, a conversation with somebody who's featured on, um, a podcast, uh, called welcome to Provincetown, which is about like, like the queer scene at province in Provincetown, Massachusetts during the summer. Um, and it's like, we're talking to a black person who is somebody who lives in Provincetown and <laughs> is like, 
you know, not one of like the like moneyed white men who are coming from Manhattan, you know, to stay in like their summertime mansion would, but I could. Um, but yeah, we're going to be talking to that person about like their experience being at Provincetown during the summer and like what it's like being a black person in that space, what it's like being a part of, you know, the group of people who are either performing or, or um, working in the service industry or both. Um, so yeah, I mean, we have, but also like, we'll have like really, like we have a conversation coming out tomorrow. Um, I don't know what date this is going to air, but we have, a, we have an episode coming out tomorrow where I'm going to be talking to Sylvia Obel, who is just a gem. She's a, a journalist, a writer, also a podcast host, um, and also Beyonce super fan. She and I are going to rank oh. five of Beyonce's songs according to what we think is best. Um, and also just share all of our excitement about the new album. So, I mean, we have like a combination of like so many different things. You're going to find things that are going to make you laugh things that are totally silly and ridiculous things that are, but also things that are like really, really, really going to make you um, think also, I mean, we did an episode I'm really proud of that came out. I actually have no idea when it came out, maybe three or four months ago, maybe two months ago um, about one of my favorite TV shows, better things. It just <gasps> finished. It's my, that's my show. Okay. <laughs> really quickly. Thank yeah. you. I just texted these two that they need to start watching that show. I just started it. And I think I'm on season three or four already. Please go. I've uh, such a comfort watch. If you haven't seen it, it's on FX, Pamela Adlon, the queen. It's about a so mother good. of three children, single mother of three children. Who's also a working actor, like working actor, like needs to act in whatever she can to pay her bills. Yes. Actor, it's so good. Um, but so yeah, good. no, I, I did an episode, but also it's like a show like that is it was created, written, directed by, yeah. and starring a white woman. And right. so when I told Eric, I was like, I want to do an episode about this show. He was like, How? But um, we ended up talking about like my obsession with that show partly was fueled by the fact that like I just felt like I hadn't seen a black mother on television or too many black mothers on TV or in movies who were allowed to parent in any way that was outside of like perfect motherhood. And that was what the episode ended up being about, about like some of my like, you know, motherhood, like desires and anxieties um, and what pop culture I was watching that was making me feel excited about that. So, I mean, we, we talk about so many different things, but really um, so many of our episodes come from just things that we get excited by or things like us trying to untangle or figure out something in our own lives. And then how can we do that with a guest or do that with each other? Before we wrap, I have two questions, but I do want to say when you watch better things, do you have a little, like a little, like scut in your stomach every time you see Louis CK's name up there, or are you over it now? Um, <laughs> Cause I have a well, little, we'll say, there's a little feeling stops after a certain amount of seasons i think maybe it doesn't maybe well it always it out. created i think created by and it's both yeah, of maybe them i started blocking him out after because I mean, in the first couple in the first two seasons it's like written by directed yes by. I yes think all of it yes two or three times and i'm just like yuck the other thing that i will say is like i appre i really appreciate the fact that and that like just on a human being level as soon as that stuff about louis ck came out pamela adlon completely severed their professional relationship mm -hmm. and stopped speaking to him. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, oh, that's why can't everybody just, why can't people just do that? Yeah. <laughs> why can't people just do that? And it may like, it's, it also, I was like, you know, I, I love the show, but also like when I watch it and I think sometimes when I do see his name, I think like, 
you know, like you, this, this woman created a show with this guy, you know, mm-hmm. they like, like, you know, like she was able to become a television writer from working on, right. um, yeah, Louis and also like lucky Louis, which she played his wife on, which I used to mm-hmm. watch when I was in college or whatever on HBO. Um, yeah, I mean, they spent a lot of time working together and I, I think it's safe to say that like, you know, his stardom, you know, his star rising was something that, you know, was able to be a big boon for her. Right. Um, but, and she still was like, yeah, no, <laughs> you know, like, no, uh-uh. she read the room. Yeah. Um, and so it also makes me feel better about watching the show. Cause I'm just saying, like, oh yeah, we can keep this like a little, this, this stayed a Louis CK free zone. Correct. Um, but yeah, it's just like, yeah, <laughs> we don't have to talk about him anymore. I just wanted to know if you felt that way. Um, <laughs> uh, before we wrap, dream guest at this moment for you guys, for colored nerds, what's your dream guest? And then what's bringing you pleasure? Either TV, movies, books. What's your moment of pleasure mm. right now? It could be moments mm. also. Well, um, dream guest. We have so many dream guests. There's somebody that I, um, but I, somebody that I always say that I want to talk to is Anna Devere Smith. She is like, um, I mean, what does she not do? The woman, um, is primarily, I think known as an actress. A lot of people who watch blackish or Mm. nurse Jackie, um, or even I'm trying to think, what was that? There's that movie with what's that girl's name? Anne Hathaway. (laughs) You sound like us. You sound like us. Who's that? (laughs) What? Um, Yeah. uh, Somebody's wedding. Rachel getting married. Right, right, right. She played their stepmom. But she is like, Anna Devere Smith is an incredible theater. She's an incredible actress. Yeah, stage. Yeah, she's an incredible theater actress. She's done lots of movies and TV. But she also is an amazing like theater worker. She is an amazing director, amazing writer. What she typically, like her big sort of like, I think like her like unique way of working in the theater is to um, go to an area where something significant has happened or is happening and interviewing lots of people who are attached to that happening. Um, For example, like one of the first works that she did was called Fires in the Mirror. And it was um, about like, basically there was a, there was this big race riot that happened um, in Crown Heights in the early nineties between the black community and like one of the, I think it was like Hasidic Jewish community um, in the early nineties. And she interviewed like a hundred something people that were connected or had some opinion or some connection to this happening. And she'll interview them and then select some of them and like just perform as these different, as these different people in Mollocks, just by herself at a one woman show. I just think that she is so incredibly talented. She's been doing that for decades. She's got a MacArthur Genius Grant. I think maybe a Guggenheim Fellowship at some other point in time. She's just amazing. Uh, but she also has just like, she's she's done these in like medical communities um, where there are students, where there are people who are sick in hospitals, where there are doctors. Um, and now she's been doing it, I think, on how young people are affected by the prison industrial complex. So um, I would love to talk to her. I like, she wrote a book called Letters to a Young Artist, I don't know, maybe 20, 15 years ago. Um, that was just 
Like I, I, it was, it's like her advice basically on how to build a creative life to young people who are interested in the arts. And I came across it when I was like 17, 18, 19, somewhere in there. And I just, I read it and reread it and read it and reread it and always followed her work. And I would absolutely love nothing more than to talk to her. Um, so that's my dream guest. And then what's giving me pleasure right now? <laughs> love Island. I, I really wish I had something <laughs> like better. I wish I had something better. I was going to talk to you about reality TV. So that's funny that you brought that up. Love, love Island, it. huh? Okay. I love it. I wish I'm not watching the US one right now because I don't like when they overlap because Love <laughs> Island comes on like every, it comes on for like an hour a day. You can't, I can't keep up with two shows that happen every day. And most of what happens in the shows is a pure idiocy and people just not talking and sitting outside. Like it's the most <laughs> spectacular nonsense. I love it. Spectacular I love it. nonsense. That's a good yes. phrase. Yeah. But yeah, love Island. Oh, and also um, I've been reading Honey and Spice by mm. Bolu Babalola. Really cute, really delicious and just nice. Mm. Um, I mean, I would call it like a romance novel, but it's also about, it's like about so much more, but it's a really nice, um, novel by Bolu Babalola who wrote, um, a really big book from last year called love and color. Um, mm. that was like new interpretations of like classic, um, sort of like love fairy tale type things. And, um, yeah, that was like an anthology. It was so good. Um, and so, yeah, she has a new book out called honey and spice. And I was like, copped it immediately. I've been like trying to ration it out at night <laughs> to read it little by little. Like maybe a, a chapter a night or a page. Yes. Oh, and last night yeah. was a long chapter too. So I was like, I was like happy. I was like happy. And then I was like, girl, I was like, I need to go to bed. <laughs> so yeah, Love Island and, um, and Honey and Spice. Wow. Two British things. Hmm. Yeah. There's a theme. There's a theme. And love romance and love romance mm -hmm. yeah that's you know though i love love though it's like i love it it's i don't know if love going. really counts as romance yeah <laughs> sure <laughs> sure well i mean Brittany, anytime you want to come back on bitch talk if you're looking for another show to like co-host you know you can just come oh, back whenever you want wow I, you can it's just you know this is fun thank you this so much so for fun. being on the show and it's nice to always talk to another podcaster too, especially a successful yeah. one. So no, it's, it's so nice to talk to somebody else who hosts <laughs> a podcast, especially as long as you have, you got me the heat. <laughs> it's rare that I, it's rare that I meet people who started podcasts independently um, or earlier than I did. I know there's folks out there. I had a mm -hmm. dear mentor who had started podcasting um, before I had um, independently. Um, and yeah, so I know there's folks out there, but like, yeah, keep doing it. Keep fighting the good fight. <laughs> we're, we're here. I don't think we're going anywhere anytime soon. You know, I mean, there's always things to bitch talk about. Bitch talk. Uh, <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, to let the people know, we've been talking with Brittany Luce. She's one of the co-hosts and I would say founders of For Colored Nerds podcast. You can find it anywhere you download your podcasts and thank you so much for being on our show continued success to you really thank you same to you both if you like what you hear rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for more information about us you can head to bitchtalkpodcast.com this podcast is created 
hosted and executive produced by Aaron Lim. My co-host is Angela Tabora, a.k.a. Captain Party. The show's edited by producer Shar. We're powered by GoTo Productions.